We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. And welcome back to another episode of a Pack-A-Day podcast, wherever you may be and however you may be listening. Thank you so much for making us part of your day. My name is Nick Schmitz, and I will be your host today. And we are just a couple of days away from the Super Bowl. And unfortunately, yes, unfortunately, the Packers not playing in it. But nonetheless, should be a fun game to watch. Uh, We'll get some... Uh, we'll take a look at that a little bit in the show here, but um, just kind of want to start with we're we're now in the off season for the Packers, and you know with that there's some good, there's some bad. Obviously, the bad being that you're not still playing at this point, um, but there's a lot to look forward to with the Packers, and uh, we're going to be taking a little bit of a look forward at the 2020 season, a little bit of a look back on the 2019 season, specifically with the quarterback position. But uh, I want to bring in the rest of the the crew here, Maggie, Jacob. Um, So technically, I I don't, technically I don't consider this past weekend, the first weekend without football, because there was something of like a scrimmage that was played Sunday afternoon in Miami. And also we do have the Super Bowl this weekend. So, Football's not officially over, but for Packer fans, the season is done. Uh, so, Maggie, did you? How did you handle kind of your first weekend without football? Well, it wasn't a full weekend without football because I did watch the Pro Bowl 
but that's because the light of my life, Zadarius Smith, played in the Pro Bowl. And Does Mark he, know that? He can't hear me. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I wanted to see how the Packers were going to play. And uh, I kind of honestly like watching the skills showdown on Thursday night. I think it's more fun than the actual Pro Bowl itself. So watching NFL players uh, play things like dodgeball is entertaining to me. So I got my football fixed at least a little bit this weekend. There you go. Well, you would die for Matt LaFleur and Zadarius Smith. Zadarius Smith is the light of your life. So, well, just just a lot of packerness there. And, Jacob, (laughs) uh, you had a very interesting weekend, I understand, of what you did without football. Yeah, well, I will say I did catch a little bit of the Pro Bowl because we did go out for dinner. But uh, before we went out for dinner, we went and saw The Book of Mormon, which is a musical by uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, the creators of South Park. So if you have not seen it, um, five out of five would recommend. Don't bring your kids. (laughs) This is an adult show. Um, But, yeah, that was how. And then between that and shoveling snow, because we got about eh, three to five inches probably total between Friday and Saturday. All right. Well, well, Maggie, I'm right there with you. I watched the Pro Bowl because, as my wife described it, it was last chance football uh, because we are already going through withdrawals of not having football on. And I'm sure most of you out there listening are going through something similar. So you're not alone. But uh, we are coming up to the last football game for what uh six seven months meaningful game for the next six or seven months so real quick before we get into anything this this is a packers podcast but it is the super bowl so um i want to get your guys's quick take on the game this weekend who do you like what are you looking for um so jacob starting with you your excitement level for this game I'm sure you're going to watch, uh, you know, I'm sure you're, you look very sad right now that, you know, maybe Green Bay is not playing in the game as we all are. But, uh, you know, what do you what, what are your thoughts on the game? What are you looking for and who do you like? Yeah, I've been joking that I'm still sad that Green Bay is not playing. It's not really much of a joke. I am still sad that Green Bay is not playing, especially after being one game from playing in this game. But. I think it's a really good matchup. You know, it's kind of your classic defense versus offense. San Francisco's front against Patty Mahomes. Kansas City's not a slouch on the defensive side of the ball. They kind of have the reputation of a bad defense, but that really hasn't been the case over the last eight weeks or so of the season. They've played some really good football. They just shut down Derrick Henry, who was hit. Well, I shouldn't say they shut him down, but they did a really good job managing him, uh, and that was a really big reason they were able to win. That being said, This is one of those games I I talk about it. I feel like I've talked about it the entire postseason. The margin for error. So the margin for error for Green Bay against Seattle was larger because they didn't need Aaron Rodgers to play like Superman for them to win. Seattle needed Russ to do that. They lost. Green Bay needed Aaron Rodgers to play like Superman to beat the 49ers. They didn't. They lost. Kansas City needs Patrick Mahomes to play like Superman. Now he is. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the world. That being said, I just – And I've gone back and forth. I really think you can easily see either team winning this game, and you wouldn't be surprised either way. I think we're in for a classic. Uh, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be back and forth. And I like San Francisco by a field goal. Interesting. San Francisco by a field goal. All right. Well, Maggie, your thoughts, your takeaways, what you're looking for at this game. Normally, when I watch a Super Bowl that obviously the Packers aren't in, I always root for the team that either has never won one or it's been the longest since they've won a Super Bowl. So by that logic, I'd be rooting for the Chiefs. 
but I also will definitely not be upset if Katie Sowers gets a Super Bowl ring. I think that's pretty badass. Um, I guess, like, I kind of echo what Jacob said as far as I think the most intriguing part of this game is the Kansas City offense against the 49ers defense. Um, I think it'll be a two-score game. I'll say that. I haven't picked who I think will be the winner yet, but I don't think it'll be necessarily as close, whatever the outcome. I think it'll flip-flop at some point. All right. And uh, either of you looking at any prop bets? I don't I – don't... Super Bowl is always weird for me. Uh, there's so much that goes on with the whole day. I, I don't know. Do you guys do any of that kind of stuff with the Super Bowl? Jacob? Any? George Kittle is plus 1,000 to be Super Bowl MVP, so that's 100 to 1. So, for example, if you bet $5 on him, uh, he wins – or you win 500 bucks. And I think that's a pretty decent value for a prop bet. But I'm also always pretty chicken shit when it comes to <laughs> making those bets. So I never actually do it. Um, but let's see. Other than that, there was one year I remember that you could have won like a million dollars if you had bet that Christina Aguilera would mess up the national anthem. And she did. And I only remember that because it was the Packers Super Bowl. So there you go. That's about the extent of my prop bet knowledge. Maggie, anything for you? No, but I'm also wondering if we're allowed to say chicken shit on the podcast. Well, if we aren't, then we just said it twice. (laughs) All right. Well, Nick's going to get a workout More editing with that edit, for but... the host slash producer. So, <laughs> um, good question, Maggie. I don't know the answer. Maybe, uh, maybe we just let it go and have uh, Andy inform us after after the podcast plays that we've uh, been fired. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, anyway, so Super Bowl, it'll be fun. Um, it, watch it, enjoy it. It's it's always fun, uh, even when the Packers don't play in it. I always just love watching the game. I've I will say, though, part of what makes it so easy for someone like me, I'm 27 years old. I've, like, known one bad Super Bowl in my lifetime, and that was Seattle and Denver, what, like, five years ago. We've been blessed for the last, you know, however many years of having really good, competitive, close Super Bowls. So uh, that's why it's fun for me. But enjoy it. Watch it. It'll be fun. And, uh, you know, just get prepared for when Green Bay's there next year. So... Uh, with oh, yeah. that, we're going to move into our topic for the day. We're looking at the quarterback position year in review. Uh, this is really kind of an interesting subject in the sense that there's really only one player that we're looking at because there is nothing to review on Tim Boyle as he took, what, like eight snaps this year? He didn't play any meaningful time, really. Um, I, I, I He took snaps in the Raiders game. I know that much. Did he? And uh, San Francisco. San Francisco? Okay. So, so he took a couple of snaps. We're not really here to evaluate Tim Boyle, though. Sorry, Andy. That's something you can do mm-hmm. on a different episode. Uh, but So we're going to look at Aaron Rodgers, uh, his 2019 year in review. And the reality is he's the next time he plays in a meaningful game, he's going to be closer to 37 than 36. So he's getting up there in age, and that means that, yes, you're going to see a little bit of deterioration in skill. And, uh, Jacob, we've talked about this before. Um, I agree with you. I don't think he's the best quarterback in the league. I still think he's probably top five. Um, but just looking at Aaron Rodgers, how he played this year, uh, it wasn't his best season by any stretch of the imagination, but he threw, what, two interceptions throughout yep. the entire regular season? And, no, he threw three, right? He threw one against Detroit. 
He threw one in each Detroit game and the Philly game. So he threw three. And really only one of them was really kind of his fault, and that was the one in Detroit in Week 17 where it was more of just kind of a punt than anything else. Um, So interception numbers look great. Uh, You know, touchdowns are a little bit lower, but some of that could just be due to the fact that in the passing game, they don't have all the type of weapons that Aaron Rodgers is used to having uh, to throw to. So that could be some of it. But Maggie, just starting with you, what are your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers play throughout the 2019 season? I mean, the thing that I always go back to when evaluating Aaron Rodgers or thinking about whether or not there's been, I guess, like a significant talent decline would be would you trust Aaron Rodgers with the ball in his hands if you needed to go on a game-winning drive? And to me, that answer is still yes. Put him up, like you said, against most of the quarterbacks in the NFL, and you would still take him over a majority of those people. You know, if you throw in, like, Patrick Mahomes, like Jacob said, who's a a superhero or he's a cheat code, like, sure. Now, obviously, with some of the young talent coming in, there are guys that would be intriguing, but I would still trust Aaron Rodgers with the ball in his hands. Um, and the reason that I think this team is set up for success still with Aaron Rodgers is that we've talked about it so much, but nobody's asking him to be a hero. And, you know, however many years he plays, if all of them are in Green Bay, which I hope they are, I don't think my body can handle another Favre situation. Um, but this offense is going to be more balanced. Matt LaFleur has been leaning on the run game. You know, Aaron Rodgers isn't throwing for a million yards a season because he doesn't have to. His numbers aren't as gaudy as we're maybe used to them being, but that doesn't mean that he's not still a fantastic game manager. Um, Yeah. I just, I have a hard time thinking that there's really a significant decline do I think that the Packers would consider drafting a quarterback if the talent was there? Yes, but I also don't think that's a smart move when they'll be sitting for, you know, however many seasons. And well, and, you know, and Jacob, uh, moving to you here quickly, we talked pre-podcast that um, the, you said that the list of quarterbacks that you would take over Aaron Rodgers has been growing. Uh, but the reality is, is I think, as we mentioned, that number is up to four maybe somewhere in the four range, which means that he's still a top five in your mind. So just kind of talk about, you know, kind of your thoughts on where Aaron Rodgers is, you know, through 2019 going to be 37 next year. Yeah. I I had mentioned that. I think that the, the interesting part of this year for Aaron Rodgers has been that I don't think he's washed up. I think that that's a question that some people like to bring up people that, don't like him, don't like his personality, still worship at the altar of Brett Favre, whatever the case may be as far as that goes. But I will say that since 2010, when the Packers won the Super Bowl, the list of quarterbacks that I would take over Aaron Rodgers was zero. And it was that case for about seven years. And in 2018, going into or coming into this season, so actually eight years, coming into this season, that answer was one, and it was Patrick Mahomes. I thought Mahomes had surpassed Aaron Rodgers, reigning league MVP, supremely talented, uh, did things in the quote-unquote conventional way, so it's not a flash-in-the-pan type of situation there. Going through this year, I think that it's undeniable that Patrick Mahomes has still remained above him. Uh, Deshaun Watson is somebody that I think is is above him. Russell Wilson, I saw him in person against Seattle, and I hate that guy, but 
he's a great player and he's better than Aaron Rodgers at this point. And then Lamar Jackson won the NFL MVP. So, or is, is going to win the NFL MVP. So I think those four you can say are above Rodgers. After that, I think you can have some discussions about guys like Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott and just throwing some names out there off the top of my head. I've often said that I think that Aaron Rodgers of the quote unquote old quarterbacks, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, et cetera, Philip Rivers, et cetera. Rodgers is still the best of that group. But even if I say, okay, throw out, you know, Wentz and Prescott and the guys you could talk me into, let's just say Rodgers is five. Okay. That's great. But that's still four guys ahead of him that I didn't have ahead of him two seasons ago. And three other guys ahead of him. I didn't have ahead of him coming into this season. So that's not a problem. Uh, because I mean, Rogers is getting older. That's kind of the nature of this game is that guys are going to surpass you at, at some point in time, we see it in every single sport, but can the Packers still win with Aaron Rodgers as their starting quarterback? They were one game away from the freaking Super Bowl. Of course, the answer to that question is yes. And I think it's a positive. And I often found it funny that for 10 years, the biggest criticism of Mike McCarthy, Ted Thompson and the Packers was that they're overly reliant on Aaron Rodgers. And now that they're not overly reliant on Aaron Rodgers, that means this team is fraudulent. They're not that good. They're the worst NFC champion team, championship team ever, whatever the ridiculous stuff that came out with it. They're not overly reliant on him. He's still capable. There are still times where you see glimpses of him being able to play Superman. There are throws to Alan Lazard against both Detroit games. Uh, there's plenty of the throw to Jamal Williams in the back of the end. I mean, there's examples. Aaron Rodgers is still able to put on that cape. Can he play MVP-level football? I don't know. I think the answer to that question will be firmly and emphatically answered next year because Brian Gutekunst has said they're going to invest in this offense. They will have more weapons. They tried to acquire a, quote, explosive offensive player at the deadline. Weren't able to do that. So they're going to invest in that. If Rodgers doesn't have a great, and this year I would say his year was very good, if he doesn't have a great MVP-level season next season, I don't think he can. Well, and so, you know, just talking about, you know, the the weapons is, Maggie, is the lack of some of the offensive firepower, is that, I mean, at some point that has to come into a factor of his play because ultimately he can throw the ball, but he's not responsible for running the routes, being in the right spot, and catching the football. So, you know, what of his play is him you know maybe just getting older a little bit and what is it being in you know again you know something I think that really gets lost and we kind of talked about it here and I you know when we were talking before the show about it I didn't really think about it the fact that it I feel like it's really lost that you know Aaron Rodgers did all of this in his first year in a new offensive system so you don't have all the talent that he's used to uh, you know and he's in a new system and he's getting older. I mean, how much of that comes into play when you're looking at objectively putting everything in a context for Aaron Rodgers right now? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that we touched on a little bit already is just like this is the first time that Matt LaFleur will get a second season with the same offense since 2015 when he was in Atlanta. And that's the year that Matt Ryan or that's the season that Matt Ryan won MVP under Matt LaFleur as his uh one of his coaches. So, you know, Matt LaFleur talked a lot in his end of the season presser about how he wants to emphasize an up-tempo offense. Um, And I do think that, you know, you touched on some of the talent that's surrounding him. 
yes, it was important for Aaron Rodgers to have guys like Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis that he could rely on um, in that offense with, you know, maybe a lack of trust or just while this whole team was learning a brand new offense, not necessarily always being on the same page. So that's a big step is this offense getting a second season to work on a brand new scheme and kind of establish a little bit more than what they had in 2019. Um, But I also think that reasons for optimism are guys like Jay Sternberger, um, who was really coming on strong at the end of the season. I think that giving him another full off season, likely as like tight end one or two in this offense um, throughout training camp will give him or will give Aaron Rodgers another weapon to rely on, especially if you consider that, likely someone is coming in free agency, whether it's a tight end or wide receiver, and that they'll be expanding on the offense uh, through the draft. And so as we move forward into the 2020 season, and quickly taking one last look back at the 2019 season, Jacob, you know, when you look at everything that Rodgers did this year, the whole body of work, context and everything, where would you put Aaron Rodgers' performance as a quarterback in the NFL in 2019 um as far as well i mean i guess if i were to say you know rank aaron Rodgers amongst the other 32 quarterbacks considered all contexts and everything where does he rank in 2019 amongst the rest of the nfl sure i mean i think that that five range that i talked about and then you can have conversations about others i mean i know there's the pe- like I said, the people who don't like Aaron Rodgers, the Ben Baldwins of the world that are trying to use a, a spreadsheet and numbers that they created to determine why Aaron Rodgers isn't any good, they're going to tell you that he stunk. Uh, the people who think Rodgers is the greatest quarterback of all time are going to tell you he was awesome and everybody around him sucks. The answer, as it usually does, lies somewhere in the middle. Do the Packers have a reliable second receiving option after Devontae Adams? No, and I would even include Aaron Jones and – Alan Lazard and some guys like that that emerged in that statement. Um, I think that there are – the weaponry is better than it was credited for, if that makes sense. The people that think that the Packers had, like, the worst group of weapons around Aaron Rodgers. Any group of weapons that includes Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones automatically isn't the worst one. That's a top-five receiver and a top-five running back. That is at least a pretty good start. Then you talk about what Maggie was saying earlier, that you figure a free agent tight end or receiver – through the draft, I wouldn't be surprised to see as many as three or four new weapons, whether that's one free agent receiver, a drafted receiver, a drafted tight end, and a drafted back, or some combination of that group that I just mentioned coming in for next season. I think that Rodgers played well enough to win a lot of games. I think that it looked different than what it we were we are used to Aaron Rodgers playing five or six of those Oakland games in a season. And he only played the one. And He played really well in some other games. I think he was asked to do some different stuff. I think there were some criticisms of him that were unfair, and there are some other ones that I think were justified. I do think that there were times when he played poorly, and I think that the NFC Championship game to me is a very good example of that. I don't think Aaron Rodgers played well, but I think the final stat line looks good. And that's been a criticism of Rodgers in his career is that the stats don't necessarily match up to – what he was doing. There are other games this year, however, the first Detroit game at Lambeau Field, I think is a good example, where the final numbers aren't pretty, or the Seattle game in the playoffs. Final numbers aren't pretty gaudy, but he played really well. And I think that that's something that the Packers are trying to 
as they build this team more and more in the image of Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst, it is trying to get Aaron Rodgers to say, hey, we know you can put on Superman's cape, but you don't have to. Uh, we want you to play really well. And if you do that, we're going to win a lot more games than we don't. And this year, I think, was a good example of that. So I think that Rodgers did pretty well. Um, as far as an actual number, it's kind of hard to do that without a lot of information. And I'd be lying to you guys if I said I watched all 32 quarterbacks in depth throughout the course of this season. So I'm not going to box score scout if I'm criticizing people for doing that with Aaron Rodgers. Right. Well, and, you know, one thing I will say is, you know, if you're – Regardless of where you're sitting with Rodgers, if you want him to be the best quarterback in the NFL, I, I think of it like this. The reality is we're looking at Aaron Rodgers' this past season. He's for sure in the top ten and probably lands somewhere in the top seven. If he's not number one, he's still in the top seven, which uh, just think of all the teams. I'm willing to bet that the other three teams in the NFC North would take Aaron Rodgers for this season in a heartbeat. Yes. I, 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 that should tell you all you need to know whether or not the, you know, national pundits put him at number one, who cares? He's still like the, the second or third best quarterback at worst in your own conference. The, the number one next to his name, it it's really doesn't matter. He He's good enough to win you 13 games. And that's really all you really should be concerned about as far as, you know, what anyone's looking at. So real quickly, looking forward to 2020, Maggie, what do you expect to see from Aaron Rodgers in year two under Matt LaFleur? Obviously some of this question is really difficult to answer because we don't know what the offensive players are necessarily going to look like in green Bay uh, in 2020. But um, just kind of give me your initial thoughts of kind of what are your expectations of Aaron Rodgers, given who he is as a player and given that it'll be his second year in the system. My expectations for Aaron Rodgers are kind of the same expectations that I have for the entire offense in 2020. I think they put a lot of good on tape in 2019. I also think they put quite a bit that they'd like to erase from the tape or in 2019. And I think that there's quite a bit they'd like to move on from. I think that the offense will have a better tempo in 2020 uh, Matt LaFleur said that the third down conversion rate obviously was not up to the standard that he's looking for. So I think uh, sustaining drives will be an emphasis this offseason, whether that's through you know his scripting plays in the beginning of the game or um, just finding a rhythm on offense overall. I think, like you said, there will be more weapons. Um, and something else that they emphasized in the presser, uh, Matt LaFleur was talking about how they might be changing up some of the play-calling verbiage because Aaron Rodgers had joked that it takes so long for him to get these plays off that they're consistently draining all the time off the play clock and snapping the ball when there's only a second left. Um, So I think a lot of the offense um, utility-wise will stay the same, but as far as the application of the offense, I think that we'll see a significant jump in production um, from the offense as a whole, which then will improve Aaron Rodgers in his production as well. All right, so production goes up. Everything should be looking better in 2020. So, um, well, guys, so we're running short on time here. So, real quick, thoughts on Gutekunst really wanting Mason Crosby back for 2020 and further into the future. Um, it's something that I think is really interesting, um, given the fact that, yes, I know people say he's getting older, but... When you look at the whole of the NFL this past year, kicking was really awful around the league. There were lots of teams that 
you know, made changes during the season, had bad kickers, and Mason Crosby was, if nothing, we always said this team, this 2019 Packers were consistently inconsistent. That was kind of like the outside model of what the team looked like. And then there was Mason Crosby, who was just consistent. So, Jacob, thoughts on Mason Crosby coming back next year? Furthers my belief that Annie Schmitz runs the team. <laughs> yes. Uh, as Maggie says, she would die for Matt LaFleur. My wife would die for Mason Crosby. So, um, well, you know, some of that is, yes, yes, she would always bring Mason Crosby back. But I think there's a lot to be said. He kicked well enough this year um, that he was, what, one of the top five kickers, if not better, in the league? Yeah, I mean, he had a really good year. And it was one of those coming into the year I had wondered if they would bring in some legitimate competition. And I use the term legitimate because the first time they brought in competition, I always said that the, that Mike McCarthy didn't even bother to learn Giorgio Tavecchio's real name. He called him Sergio, which told me that that was always about giving Mason Crosby a kick in the butt. So to give Mason some credit, he had a really good year and had to win the job out of training camp, which, I mean, that went right down to the wire that, it was kind of uncertain if Mason was going to be the kicker or not. And then once he got into the year, he's had a really good year. And, guys, I mean, other than two really weird stints where he was – I mean, the twenty, I think it was, what, the 2012 season? twenty, Yeah, it had to be 2012. He couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. I mean, the fact that it's it was it's amazing to me that he wasn't released during that season because he was just so bad for that long. But other than that – and one game last year against Detroit, he really has been rock solid for the most part. And if it comes down to a big kick, kind of like what Maggie talked about earlier with, do I trust a quarterback to lead them down the field? Other than there's two kicks last year that I can think of, one against Minnesota and one against Arizona. Other than that, I can't think of a kicker. Well, I shouldn't say that. Obviously, I would rather have like Justin Tucker or somebody like that. But Mason Crosby's money, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I think that he made two huge kicks in Dallas. The kick that nobody talks about, and rightfully so because they didn't win the game, but the kick against Seattle, that was a 40-plus yarder that he drilled right down the middle. Uh, He had the two-game winners this year. I trust Mason Crosby to kick those. He knows how to kick in Lambeau Field, which is certainly not an easy thing to do, especially as the weather gets worse. He's been kicking for Green Bay since 2007, and he's been pretty good more often than not. All right, Maggie, I'm assuming you're in favor of the bringing of Mason Crosby back to 2020 and beyond? Yes, Mason Crosby is actually my best friend's favorite player, and she will be absolutely distraught if he does not come back. And just, you know, on talent alone, I think that it's he's worthy of a contract, and he's one of those guys that should be a lifelong packer. Absolutely. All right, well, that is all the time we have for today, guys. Um, real quickly before we wrap up, Jacob, Maggie, uh, people want to follow your work, get in touch with you, Jacob. How do they do that? I am on Twitter at Jacob Westendorf, and you can find my work at Packer Report 66 and a few other things that are coming that are draft-related, but I can't really throw them out there yet. All right. And, Maggie, people want to follow you, get in touch with your work. How do they do that? You can follow me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney, L-O-N-E-Y, and I also write for Cheesehead TV. All right. Well, thank you so much for – Thank you guys so much for joining me today. Uh, I know, again, disappointing end to the season, but enjoy the game Sunday. Super Bowl is always fun. 
do whatever you do. Get pizza, wings, whatever you do. Have a couple of beers. I'm sure Jacob will have a couple. I'm sure Maggie will have a couple. I know I'm going to have a couple. Pretty sure Nick just called me an alcoholic, so... Wow, that's... Is that is that like a millennial way of like deciphering words? Uh, I guess so. But yeah, you you were like, I'm sure that Jacob and Maggie will have a couple. What's that supposed to mean? All it me. <sighs> I don't know why I ever try to explain myself. I don't know why I ever try to explain myself. It's like talking to my wife, but just in like. She is know, much better looking than I am. Let's start there. <laughs> That wasn't the point, but anyway. This episode has gone way <laughs> off the rails. All right, well, so, um, <laughs> you know, let us know on Twitter if you think that me and Maggie and Jacob should ever be back on the podcast again. Um, enjoy the game. You know, whatever you do, do it responsibly on Sunday, but enjoy the game. Super Bowl is always fun. And uh, with that, we will be bringing you all the off-season Packers content you could ask for. Uh, I know free agency will be starting up soon. I'm sure there will be quite a bit of rumors about who Green Bay will be targeting and going after, especially given that um, Gutekunst has made it very clear that he is going to be considering anyone and everyone. Just remember that they were linked to Le'Veon Bell at the trade deadline. So with that, thank you so much for listening, everyone. And as always, Go Pack Go!
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.